0: Uh hang on. Wait 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 wait. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. That's what she said. Every month. Again, that's what she said. <laughs>
1: Welcome to the MovieBuilder.org podcast,
0: episode number 57. I'm Curran. And I'm Kushal. You just, that's part of the beginning now, is it? Just your name. (laughs) Episode number 57, I'm Curran. Hi. I'll I'll remember to say my name. I know you pause and look at me like, say something, motherfucker. (laughs) I'm waiting for you. So how have you been in the last couple of weeks?
1: Couple of weeks? Since we recorded the last podcast. What,
0: two hours ago? (laughs) Oh. I've been fine for the last two hours, um, That's good. I had a lovely chicken takeaway and um, uh, what else do we have? Coffee, we're still having our coffee, you've yep. got an entire meal there, which is interesting. Blame <laughs> <laughs> your wife for that. Okay, <laughs> enjoy.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, how are we, how we doing? Yeah, good. Um, so we just recorded an episode. And this episode will be um, around a couple of films that we've seen recently.
0: Yeah. Uh, Deadpool 2 and Solo. Solo. So, um, I mean, I had a feeling that this episode might turn into a uh, Star, Wars, Star Wars-a-thon. Uh, I don't want it to, because, you know, some people don't like Star Wars, which is mm. fine. I'm, You know, many sides. So, you're just munching a biscuit, aren't you? I can hear you munching the biscuit. It's fine. You can can let everyone listen to your biscuit munches. Uh, That sounds weird. Um, Yes. So I thought we'll give ourselves room to talk about this stuff and have an episode where we talk about these things. What else are we going to talk about? A bit of Westworld. Yes. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Expanse stuff, which I alluded to last episode. And... um, some other things that are happening in the world of tv and movies what's uh what's what's new coming out that we haven't really talked about so we've got ant-man and the wasp coming out in the next no is it this month next month i think <clears throat> okay i think well we talked about that last yeah. episode a little bit yeah. so oh you were going to talk about whether the, the, he's going to in a comic he's a wife beater apparently yes he is right uh, it's next
1: month, by the way, um, Yeah, that's coming out. What else is coming out? Um, Jurassic World is now
0: out. Yes. So we can watch that. That looks really good. That it, display at King's Cross was very impressive.
1: Yeah, I've seen a lot of people tweeting that. It's really interesting. It was really good. Um, what else is coming out this year? There's ba- basically,
0: be- there's a massive plastic T-Rex, almost full-size, inside King's Cross Station to promote the movie. It was very impressive, and and jungle sounds coming out of all the speakers. Oh, that's cool! And uh, you know, lights everywhere, and it was it was really impressive. I was just passing through, and I thought, "Wow, this is I want to stay here."
1: Ocean's Eight is also
0: coming out. What is that? Does that look good to you? I mean, I'm glad it's Soderbergh.
1: <laughs> it is. I'll show you who it is. It is Gary Ross is the director. Ah,
0: uh, yeah. What's he made? He
1: sounds familiar. What has he made? So Gary Ross has made Oh, the Hunger Games. Seabiscuit. Pleasantville. So not, nothing massively amazing. Yeah, cool. I am not sure how I feel about Oceans. 8. I don't know, like I'm not
0: I wasn't like a massive fan of the Oceans films anyway. Does it feel like an opportunity missed for Hollywood to put a female director in place? Yes. Because that is a huge issue in the industry. Yeah. They don't have enough female crew, enough female directors, producers, writers. They just don't exist. Definitely. Like-
1: if you use um, Juno as an example, our mm-hmm. um, Juno was directed by Jason Reitman, but uh, Diablo Cody wrote it. Right. Uh, and she um, wrote a couple of other films at the time. Jennifer's Body, have you ever seen that? Jennifer's body was Megan Fox when she turned into, like, a vampire-type thing. Did you watch this? No. It was
0: 2011. Is it a... What is it? A film? Yeah, it was, like, a horror-comedy-type thing. I now remember the trailer. Was it good? It was okay. It wasn't horrible. Like, it was just... uh here. This is the... I don't remember that poster. Uh, um, so, yeah. So, I mean... it. I feel like it's... it's is it as gratuitous exploitation of Megan Fox as Transformers was? Yes, a lot more. Yeah, very, very much that's so. That's not
1: good, is it? Um, but that was a good example of a film that was centred around uh, a kind of, a um, obviously, a quite an important female character. What, this, this Megan Fox one? No, uh, Juno. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and and we had a good opportunity for, have you seen, um, have you seen XX on, on Netflix? XX. Is that the prequel to Triple X? <laughs> uh, so it's it's a selection of short films, but they've kind of put it into one, like
0: an hour and 20 minutes. What's it on? we can I watch Netflix.
1: It? No. So it's was an hour and 20 minutes and it's like a selection of four or five. It's a an un- horror anthology is what they call it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And so they've got like a a bunch of short films that are centered around problems uh, told from problems, issues, whatever, told from a female perspective. Okay. So they either have to do with um, family or, um, you know, children or that kind of stuff or whatever, but it's told from a perspective of a female. Um, But that's a good example of them utilizing kind of female cast members and female directors and female writers it's a. I I enjoyed the concept. I've seen it twice now. I watched it once myself and once in my other half. But I'm not sure if those films were... Maybe it's not for me, you know?
0: Well, no, no. I mean, it might not necessarily be that. And you might be right in saying that they might not be that good. And that could... And that actually makes sense because if you if there's a segment if there's a demographic of the population that doesn't get a chance to actually have a go Mm -hmm. and prove themselves and get experience well you know you get good at what you do Mm. if you don't get a chance to do it Mm. You know I I don't think that many yes some people have natural talent but I think a lot more people just make (laughs) you finish your biscuit it's like you're eating it in my ear this is brilliant have another one. If you dip it in your coffee, it will soften the biscuit. Maybe then I can just hear you. Yes,
1: definitely opportunity missed. Um, I feel like they've. Again, we we'll use Black Panther as an example here, right? Because a lot of people make the same parallels between you know race and like the um sec uh sexism and stuff like that. So, with Black Panther. We had a film that had primarily a black cast. We had a black director, black writer. Okay. Yeah. So I'm saying with oceans eight, we kind of have that. We had that. They had the same opportunity to do the same thing, except they chose a male director to do the same thing. Who wrote it? Also the same guy, Gary Gary Ross, Gary Ross, and also Olivia Milch.
0: Okay. Venom. Is that out later of the year? Yes. Have you seen oh, the poster? Shit. Yes. It looks like a massive bra. Looks
1: like a massive bra. Uh, Aquaman. Oh, God. Is that out in December. I dig it. Yeah, it looks like he I
0: does as well. I can dig it. I think that's going to be pants. Mission Impossible. Do you know how? Why? Why? Because everything DC have made has been a bit pants. Except the ultimate edition of My Mother Martha, which is on Prime now. It's really good. All right. The Tick. Yes. Uh, finish watching season one at mm-hmm. some point. Um, yeah. It's good. Funny. But gets a bit samey. I think they should do something more interesting with it. It's just like, yeah, how many other ways can we make fun of superheroes? Yep. So that's not really going anywhere. Um, I've read a lot of comics, a lot of the new Star Wars comics. Um, Skywalker Strikes and the Vader comics. and mm-hmm. um, Oh. I went through about five Lando comics before the solo movie, which was very good prep. Are they recent comics or they're like Recent ish. Not that recent. Last ten years, sort of thing. Yeah. It's Cal it's um what's his name? Lando.
1: Cal Yeah, what's he what's his name? Charles Camino. Donald Glover.
0: No. The original actor. My mind's going blank. Oh my god. Yeah. I've just got Donald Glover on the brain now. He's done such a good job. Billy D Williams, I've remembered. Billy D, Billy D. Yeah. Oh, brain. We're all on brain. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yay! Yeah.
0: How could I forget that name I grew up with? Brilliant. So uh, we'll come back to that in a minute. We've got a couple of TV, three or four TV features, and then the two movie features. So let's get straight into those. Uh, I've got one that says "Why Westworld," so I'm going to click on that. Really this was triggered by um James Cameron. Okay. And uh, you sent me a, a tweet or something yeah. from James Cameron, which was highly offensive around the Marvel movies. Yeah, you do that. Concentrate on that first. Very full cup of coffee. That you've just that you've just snotted in. Well, whatever it takes. You had what <laughs> You add whatever flavors you like to that coffee. Wow. Yeah, no, you sent me a tweet saying, look at this dick. Yep. What did did he tweet? So basically he was talking
1: about how the world needs more stories than... um, It's like we said in the last episode, this guy was talking about how, you know, if I thought that Avengers basically was the best thing ever, then I need to look at different films. But it's, it's besides the point. James Cameron seems to think that the world's had enough of superhero films. But... I beg to differ. They they superhero films give people the opportunity or give filmmakers the opportunity to tell a type of story that you couldn't otherwise tell through a different type of uh, a genre almost. It, it gives you the opportunity to to explore different genres within this kind of same universe if you will. And it, at the same time it also allows look look at Black Panther for example. It was one of the first films to be fully inclusive. It was, it told a story that had a, a, a good source material and a, um, a good fan base. It opened up the character to different uh, audiences and also told uh, a story that needed to be told in a way that was accessible to everybody. Now you can't do that with all types of film. Like if you make the fucking Phantom Thread, not everybody's going to watch it. Do you know what I mean? Like films like that really don't like that film we really don't want to watch it man it's done does that, does that make sense i yeah. think he's completely missing a point and as a filmmaker i think i'm i'm disappointed that he said that so i don't know maybe he's just jelly because do you like his films yeah i'd like i i thoroughly enjoyed avatar fine it was a bit stupid on the story side but i enjoyed it it was a, it was an experience and it was an experience at the time that was very unique um so yeah it, I, you know some of his films are are we entertaining? Good to watch.
0: Okay, so there was. Um, so let me. I'll, I'll. I will slot in James Cameron into this next bit, mm-hmm. and I've written a thing called Why Westworld. Mm. Um, and have you watched any of season two of Westworld? No. You are in for a massive treat okay. uh, to me mm. in terms of acting performances, um, especially by Tandy Newton and Ed Harris. Mm. Um, I think Westworld is pretty much the best thing on TV. One of the best things that's ever been on TV. Wow. It is um, It is fast. It starts off slow. Season one starts off slow. Then it becomes fast moving. I don't agree. There was, a, there was an article by Charlie Lin from The Guardian. Mm. Um, and, you know, some people just won't agree with anything any that newspaper says at all. But... Um, there's a guy called Charlie who re- reviews films, and back in 2016 when Westworld started, he said something about how it was slow and convoluted and didn't wasn't as concise and to the point as the original um, Westworld movie. Yeah, um, and I I didn't agree with it, but I couldn't I couldn't think why um, I couldn't agree with it. But i I've now after watching the second season, I, I've now figured something out. Yeah. Now Westworld Accords is brought to us by um writing giants. Um but let's go let's go, let's go back in time for a second. Do you know anything about the original Westworld movie? It's a good film. I enjoyed it. Oh, did you watch it? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well oh because it recently came on Prime, didn't it? No, so do you remember when the series first came out? Yeah. I think after I watched it, I said to you, um, I see a lot of influence from uh that Terminator got from it. Okay. And then you, you
0: think you said something similar as well. So, right. So what I was going to say was um, that, that Michael Crichton, that was like his first, one. Mm-hmm. Of, I think it was his first movie. Yeah. Um, and it was great, but um, I could see, y- y- you kind of get the sense that he was falling over his own um, feet a little bit because mm-hmm. there's a, there are very complex issues that are implied, especially as um, artificial intelligence and computer science and that whole the, you know, a science fiction continued to do things. Mm. Um, and James Cameron, um, un- un- remade, uh, horror robot story Terminator, yep. which is just West like World. Westworld, yeah. but it's, it's not Westworld, but it's like heavily influenced yeah. um, by that concept. Um, I think Crichton himself would have thought, well, this whole thing about computers becoming conscious, mm. um, or becoming sentient mm. is an issue that goes beyond um, the story he was trying to get to, which is the dangers of experimenting with uh, technology mm. and nature and biology. Mm. So he rewrote Westworld um, as Jurassic Park. Right. Um, mm. And that's still doing amazing. And it's much simpler to do with dinosaurs because mm. they're just dinosaurs and you yeah. can make it a dinosaur issue. Um which is great, and I, and I think that because the difficult thing is how do you deal with the emotion, mm. um, and the emotion and the replication of human issues mm. that's happening inside um, AI with 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 uh, uh, robots or androids becoming us or more than us, yeah, mm. yeah. Now it's a very complicated subject because it's a it's a human subject, which means writing about character and making sure that character drives and motivations mm. um, are correct. And that's something that the original Westworld, Westworld movie gets completely wrong because mm. uh, it's just like this horrific robot that's yeah. almost a caricature of um, uh, Yul Brynner's Western roles, mm. which I think they did on purpose because mm. he was like a, a good a good bad guy mm. um, in his Anti-hero. day. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Nolan, Memento, Person of Interest, Batman Trilogy, and Lisa Joy, who wrote Mm. Burn Notice, they are masters of character. Mm. And what they've done with Westworld, how they've woven this thing together to actually look at motivations, look at um, how these characters are not quite human, Mm. how they're dealing with very different challenges, challenges that AI would have to deal with as it realizes and comes to terms with what it is. Mm. Is fascinating. Yeah. I've never seen it done the way it's done in Westworld mm. before. It's, um, and season two is where it's all happening. Mm. Uh, I think the best part of it is uh, um, there's another part they go to. Oh, Shogun World. Yeah. And uh, Hiroyuki Sanada, mm. uh, who is in Last Samurai and tons of Japanese films mm-hmm. all the way back to 1978. Mm. Um, He's amazing uh his, just his screen presence is amazing he's mm. like a, a modern day um mifune mm. um and uh obviously tandy newton's amazing and her japanese is not bad um there's uh, a japanese actress called rinko kikuchi mm. who's uh uh been in a few things uh, you mm. can have a look on imdb she does has an amazing performance and, and ed harris just excels mm. In this, uh, get into it now. Okay. It's like move over Game of Thrones mm. to me. Yes. There you go. That's enough of that shit. Next mm. article. Do you want to talk about Roseanne, this Roseanne bullshit first? Yeah. Cause, so I'm. Because you're from a different generation to me. I grew up watching Roseanne. So okay. Go, go for it. So I've, admittedly, I've
1: never seen it before, right? Yeah. But the reason I have an opinion on this is because it's interesting to me. So when it, when they re-aired it earlier this year, or they started a new season earlier this year, there was all this thing about how can they make a show that's about inclusivity and all this other stuff. And because I don't know if you watched any of the newer seasons, but from what the newest seasons represent, you know, had a, had a lot of. I, I didn't watch any of it. Okay. Had a lot of liberal stuff in it, I guess. Um, and people found that weird considering. Liberal stuff?
0: What, like what kind of stuff?
1: So um, no. gone. So there was a there was a bit. What's that noise? Was it no, this shit? No. Uh, so there was, there was a there was an episode where Rosanne was talking talking to I think it was talking to a grandkid about being gay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and she was okay with it and all this kind of stuff and whatever. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, but people were losing their shit because how can you make a show around? this lady who who has these affiliations with the Trump, who obviously has opinions around this kind of thing and has been outspoken about this kind of stuff outside of the show. Um, I think people weren't particularly happy with it. And then other people said, I think it's great because it needs to be, uh, it needs to be a show like that, where even though you can be from a family who is supportive of the Trump or whatever, you can still be, you can still be gay or you can still be associated with black people and all this kind of stuff. And then, and then this bitch goes on Twitter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was uh, pretty disgusting what she said. Um, the tweet that she wrote. Yeah.
1: Uh, and I quote, this is, a I, I want to stress yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, so, quote. Um, so she was tweeting a, a comment about um, Valerie Jarrett, who was a yeah. black woman who... Uh, formerly served as an advisor to President Obama. So this tweet was quote: She's
0: mixed heritage.
1: Yeah, so yeah, sorry, yeah. so uh, no, I think
0: she is. I've seen her.
1: Yeah. Okay, so it says um, a quote: Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby, and then equals Valerie Jarrett. So he's put VJ. End quote. And I mean, it just it just feels like when you've been given the opportunity to essentially start up your career again, and then you go and pull shit like this. It, it just, it, it boggles my mind, especially when you're, you know, she's essentially towards the end of her career. It, it, it makes me question what the fuck. I think
0: I'm going to say, I'm going to share something, mm. just some thoughts. I think it's worse than that mm. because I think, um, I mean, Call me stupid and deluded for thinking this, but I think I grew up and watched these people on TV. Watched mm. a lot of things like Roseanne. I don't know why. Uh, my parents actually worry me when I think back to it because we bought the Daily Mail a lot and <laughs> and, <laughs> and and watched Roseanne on TV. And now I'm thinking, yeah, it kind of makes sense that they moved to Florida. <laughs> Everything's starting to make sense now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and my dad's like, yeah, I'm not going to say. All right, fine. So, um, <laughs> I've just had a revelation on the podcast. <laughs> wow, um, so, excellent. So, so alt brown, yeah. <laughs> um, so Roseanne was an interesting program. It was funny. It was entertaining you don't really think as a child, you don't think about political issues, you mm. just watch it and mm. it's funny and it's almost like I want a, yet another television mother figure. Mm. And when it came back, I thought that might be interesting to catch up with. It might actually be funny. It's an opportunity, like you said, to not just revive her career, but mm. explore certain issues and things which have not been discussed. Mm. Mm. I'll just let you finish munching a biscuit again. I love this. I'm going to put really loud biscuit munching sounds all the, all the all the way through. It's fine. love it (laughs) so um we live in a time where i understand the perspective of some people that are mildly leaning to the right Mm. yeah in in especially people that have an anti-globalist perspective because it's economic protectionism that's driving that they're yeah. worried about their jobs they're worried about well if everything's automated and outsourced mm. what the hell am i going to do mm. where does this economy go what happens to my children where are they going to work mm. so that i, I you know it, it's not difficult to i don't necessarily agree with it but i understand the driving force behind these this kind of thinking mm-hmm. and where it's possible to have these kind of discussions in, in a series like that, mm. she's completely fucked it up mm. by not just not having those discussions and making it just really pathetically yep. racist and, and offensive, but tearing down um, um, her own character, which was an icon from the 80s, yep. um, in our minds. And that damage is irreversible. Mm. What an idiot. On that note, segue wrote a thing called uh why expense being renewed is really good for the world um and that is about how the expense uh, you haven't watched it yet it's your first episode oh what did you think i enjoyed it it's very dramatic Mm. it's not very it's not sci-fi channel Mm. yeah sci-fi channel productions are usually very shanara
1: yes yeah you didn't get that reference you need to listen to the last episode
0: they're usually very shanara, and you're just like, what the hell am I watching yep. after a while? Expanse is very much the opposite of mm. that. This is uh, from a great series of books, uh, professionally written, and it is intelligent uh, political drama in a near future mm. in space. It happens to be in space, but it could just as well not be in space. It mm. could be three countries um, with a through line that's uh, very strange and, and very sci-fi. But it doesn't. Make the sci-fi hokey, and and in this world in um, the Expanse, mm. it's a very inclusive society, mm. uh, and the society's issues with each other are political issues, and they discuss actual issues that that countries have now. The the fact that our issues are about resource uh, and about jobs and about welfare of mm. people who live in different socio-economic circumstances. Mm. These are the actual things that should be being discussed. Uh, in programs because uh, it's like there's a wonderful TED talk about how theatre is important for mm. democracy on TED right now and and um, I think some of these TV series are just as important as theatre because when you see alternative perspectives discussed mm. between two other people not with ourselves it makes us reflect on what we personally believe mm. it's very important when it's done right and expense is doing it right mm-hmm. it's very important so it's a uh, it's nice that Amazon picked that up. Mm. They're becoming, slowly becoming heroes. Good strategy to do with Netflix. Forget that. I think four years ago, I gave you my Mystery Men DVD. Have you watched that yet? I think it was three years ago. <laughs> I mean, to the extent where Deadpool 2... Segway! Killing the segways. Deadpool 2 uh, pretty much cr- uh, created uh, Mystery Men Light. Version of one of the scenes from that movie, which is quite cool. Uh, I know exactly which scene you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, no, you do because it's the recruitment scene. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So talking of Deadpool two, wow. I'll watch it. This is the most well structured episode so far. Um, (laughs) you're gonna watch Mystery Men. Wow. Don't you know? Don't feel like I'm forcing you. (laughs) Do you want it back? Do you want to watch
1: it? Is that why you keep asking me?
0: Uh, Only if you finished with it. I can wait till you finish with it. It's fine. Uh, So did you like Deadpool 2?
1: Yes, I enjoyed it. Very much so. Okay. I thought it was better than the first, which seems to be
0: an unpopular opinion. Okay, so I've I've written difficult um, second film or better than the original? You thought it was better than the original? Yes. Okay. I thought it was a difficult second poo. Dead poo too. Yeah. Um, um, I think they hit on something interesting yeah. with their uh, breaking the fourth wall, breaking mm. the 16th wall, as they say. Yeah. Um, mm. But I think they, they're sort of doing it to death, yes. bashing that joke, bashing that concept on the, on the head. Mm-hmm. Um, so much... So many times that it starts to hurt the balls. Yeah. Uh, some of the guest characters that appeared were were a nice treat. Yes. Uh, but apart from that, I kind of didn't really, f- I couldn't feel it. It didn't, And then the humor was a very American humor. And, and I'll come to oh, another segue. American humor is very different to British humor. I know you're looking at the notes like, how... Oh but I'll get there. You, you, you tell me why you thought it was better than the original, because that's an interesting con- p- perspective. I felt like
1: there were a lot of things to appreciate, more things in this film that you can appreciate than there were in the, pre- in the previous ones. Okay. In the previous one, even. Um, so, are we spoiling? Are we spoiling this? How long has it been? It's been like a month since it's been right?
0: Yeah, sure. Okay, we can spoiler it. Right. We're going to spoiler Deadpool. Yeah. Two. So if you, if, Deadpool it, two, if you haven't seen it,
1: sorry. Haven't seen it yet. Then, um, what are you doing? Sixteenth of May. So that's like almost a month ago. Okay. Um, I think the film, yes, provided very much of the same humour. Uh, a lot of the fourth wall stuff that we've become familiar with. I think they. It does feel done to death now, even though considering the film's only been out a couple of years the first one, um, they did it to death in that film and they did it to death in this film. But for this film, I think it, I don't know. It almost works as a concept. Um, there were some instances where I thought, Oh, that's kind of funny. That's clever. Like the, so for example, kind of, um, poking fun at stuff that happened in infinity war or do you know what I mean? That was funny. I
0: I can't can't say it wasn't funny.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, I think if there were a lot of films doing that kind of thing, it would have been almost like, okay guys, come on, we've kind of seen this before. Can we just knock it on the head now, leave it alone. But considering Deadpool's kind of the only character that can almost get away with something like that. I I enjoyed it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think what I appreciated most about this film was the inclusion of the, uh, I guess the X-Men being one of them. Um, the kind of mention around some of the Marvel studios characters, uh, even the, the mention of Thanos
0: was funny. Um, that was weird. I don't even get that because like, I'm yeah. sure there's like, you know, 9 billion people coming up to 9 billion people on the planet soon. Mm-hmm. um, They can't find a different actor to play a bad guy in a different Marvel movie. (laughs) What the fuck?
1: Oh. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, It felt like a different film. This felt like a film they're going to make something from. Does that make sense? Whereas with Deadpool, the first one, it worked so well as a standalone film. Whereas this one, it is now, what we've done now, we've opened the doors into a, a larger universe. We've... We've got the uh, the inclusion of X-Force. We've finally introduced the X-Men into this universe. We've Juggernaut, Juggernaut survived. So we now have a villain. Juggernaut's acknowledged that Magneto, so not Magneto, uh, Xavier is his brother. Yes. Um, so there's all these other things I think that will allow the film to go on from here. Whereas with Deadpool, it was just it felt like a one-off, and obviously it was because the film went through what they call development hell. So it almost felt like that was there to make sure that the name gets out there. And now Deadpool Two is now the foundation of what the future is going to be. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Okay. I can see. I can see some magic they've done from a production perspective is is very impressive. How do you mean? The fact that they've. Um, made it in a way that they can queue up a load of other films Hmm. from it. Yeah. Um, so tell me about cable. What would you like to know what you were looking at during our lunch break?
1: Oh yeah. Okay. So again, um, probably um, preface this with saying, I'm not massively familiar with the story of cable, but from what I've read, um, so cable mentions uh, so okay, so for those who don't know, uh, Cable is the son of Cyclops. So Scott Summers. What? Yeah. <laughs> and um, in the comics, um, Scott and who's Cable's mum? It's not. It's not Jean Grey, but it's someone who uh, took on her appearance or something like that the comic fans are going to go crazy. Like hearing this, they'll be like, what the fuck is he talking about? This guy doesn't know anything about comic books. Um, anyway, whatever. And so they, they had, they had a child obviously. Um, and they uh, was hope, hope, hope summers cable took hope into the future. Okay. Because hope was the first baby to be born with the X gene. Right.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, so this kind of links with the Logan movie. Yes, Yes. absolutely. Right. That's nice. Um, And
1: so Cable took Hope to the future to make sure that they're securing the future for the mutants or mutant kind. (laughs) Okay. And so Cable in Deadpool 2 talks about his daughter and he says her name is Hope. So uh, again, something else they've opened up there.
0: Yeah. So my main, I mean, yeah, I I can't disagree with any of those things. It's all good. Uh, I think um, it's an entertaining film. I think for the fans of the first film, it's a good second film. There's something about it that I don't quite like. And I think it's the American humor. Mm. I think um, um, there's a certain uh, uh, dry wit and uh, reflectiveness that Mm. comes from, English humor that I prefer, and often Americans don't get, which is why I was uh, extremely impressed to see uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge playing um, L three in the next movie we saw, which was Solo. Look at that fucking killing the segways. So, tell me about Solo. Uh, this is a new, different film for you. What what was good, bad? What did you like? I mean, let's—we're going to spoiler this as well because we have to. And what what was confusing? I enjoy this film. Yeah. I wasn't massively confused by
1: it. I, 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 what I appreciate about this film, what else I was, that I was quite easily, it was accessible, you know, whereas I felt like um, it was accessible, but it had Easter eggs in there for the fans. So it wasn't received well. Yeah. Which Why? is strange. I don't know. Possibly because it's a Star Wars film that's coming out in May instead of December. Uh, okay. Maybe that's throwing people off. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I've, I felt, I, I, I came out of that. I, I felt satisfied. I
0: enjoyed that. Um, especially after the ending. Okay. So uh, I was going to talk about a bunch of little things. You just give me feedback as we, as we go along. On. Um, so you haven't seen Fleabag. No. So Fleabag, and I talked about it a while ago, a while ago. And when I described it to you, look, you looked at me the same way you looked at me after I described Phantom Thread.
1: God, yeah, go on
0: you were like i'm not going to watch that uh fleabag is uh, i think one of the best british productions um ever made it's like bridget jones this is going to i'm going to say something really offensive and controversial here it's like bridget jones for thinking women oh oh, oh. Bridget Jones is just is weird and it's like and the whole goggle eyed uh thing to these dreamy men in her life thing is I mean I'm a bloke and it's irritating. It must be irritating to women. It's just stupid. Yep. Whereas Fleabag is on point. She and is Fleabag it, it's like as if Bridget Jones was written by or something along that those lines um in that genre was written by someone who's actually British and actually dealing with a life of this culture and in this country, mm. um, and she <laughs> she treats men like a necessary evil, um, <laughs> which is absolutely hilarious. This show is laugh after laugh, um, but it's very very intelligently written, okay. and her sharp wit and humor comes through in every scene. It's you can watch it. Uh, I've watched episodes and then well like, we watch them again because I've like got ahead when we're both watching them. At home and, uh, I'll watch it again and laugh as much because Mm. the scenes are so clever and you see glimpses of that in probably one of the best played characters in the film, which Mm. is not saying much that a droid is the best character, (laughs) L three, three, seven, um, in solo, uh, do you know where the name is from? No. So a long time ago, um, in a galaxy far, far away in a galaxy, very close to us. uh, There was a game called elite. With uh, levels yeah. that people become, and one of the things um, that came out of that game was the, the game out of the, came out of the game was the copying of, uh, you know, the word elite to uh, the labeling of that to people that have become extreme, extremely good hackers mm. and extremely good with technology. Mm. It just became associated there, and one of the ways of doing it was to use the number thirteen thirty seven for mm. L E E T. Um, but they used letters L three three and then seven, yeah. which amounts to pretty much the same thing, which is a, a nice little um, salute to to that sort of. What does it mean, elite? Elite, short for it, elite, Elite, right? Yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah, and and she is that. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like a this like hyper droid, advanced droid. Yeah, that yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, what's that scene where she dies and she says he, She's developed a consciousness says, almost. Lando says, "Is there anything I can get you?" Yeah. And she says, "Equal rights." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and that, yes. and that's like the philly, Phoebe. What? It's almost like she wrote her own lines because that's the kind of stuff that's in, in Fleabag, which yeah. is so good. Um, I think the most in the best played character in this thing was Lando, and he was the one I was most excited oh, about. Man. Yeah, and Glover delivered. He was on point. Um, he played Lando. Uh, uh, Lando film, Lando film. I mean, (laughs) it it was brilliant. Uh, He had the accent right, the cadence of the voice. Mm. He didn't look dumb in the the, the mustache. The capes galore. Yeah. Uh, They made the running cape. Those capes are a running joke of of, um, uh, the movies. Mm. So um, that was wonderful. And it was really nice to see Chewie go full Wolverine. Oh, man. Which happens in the books, but I've never seen it in the movies. Yeah. He goes full Wookiee. Yeah. That was, that's sick. Yeah.
1: Um, I think uh, even like it was with, you said the same thing when we watched Rogue One was that mm. when we saw Darth Vader at the end of that film. Yes. That's what Darth Vader is like in the books. Yes, yes, yes. And I think that's when that's the fan service. Like you wouldn't know that unless you've read the Like when I saw that, I was like, this, where's this Vader been? Like, why haven't we seen this guy? Yeah. Um, So yeah, I, I I appreciate that. And I could, I could, I really enjoyed watching Chewbacca in a kind of something else other than just a cuddly big guy, basically.
0: What did you think of, um, Alden Ehrenreich? Mm. I really liked him. I can't say his name any other way now. Um, I, I enjoyed him.
1: I enjoyed his, it's his, I felt like, um, it's exactly like how I'd imagine Hans Solo to be like when he was younger. Quick caveat, Go on.
0: I love Germans and Germany, and I'm not in any way being prejudiced or racist at all. Do you have any German friends? I do. Some of my best friends are German. Yes! Some of my best, I'm not even joking. Literally, the guy, one of the guys I grew up with um, is half Polish, half German. Um, I don't think he listens to the podcast, so I've not talked to him for years, but he was uh, one of my best friends growing up. So we would have lots of conversations about how his Polish side... Mm. Um, um, <laughs> about how his strict European mum yeah. had more rules than I did, and I was Asian. Jesus. And he was like, I think my mum's Asian as we were growing up, so it's not, it's not like a, a, a demographic I'm not familiar with. Okay. Some of my best friends are German. There you go. I I really enjoyed his performance. and I felt like it was exactly what
1: Han Solo would have been if he was happier, obviously younger. Um. And that's what I appreciated. And you and what's what was good was imagining. And obviously, you probably know all of this. Is what happens in between that and the you know the next set of years between that
0: and um, New Hope. Well, we're I mean, gonna find out because there's another two films of solo. Another, I think there's another two solo films queued up.
1: That's actually really cool. I didn't know that.
0: Which means they'll need to make a Lando film, otherwise they're just gonna look stupid. Um. I'm very excited about that. Yes. I don't really care. If they, if they, even if they just made one more, it would be good. I thought his performance was good. I didn't, wasn't really feeling him at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as he got into it... Yeah, uh, it felt very comic Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it got a lot better. Yeah. Um, so Star Wars references. Uh, I got very excited when I started talking about Dryden, Voss and the Crimson Dawn. Because the Crimson Dawn uh, are all over books.
1: So on your previous point though, by the way, you, we discussed this very, very briefly in the previous podcast, but so you know how uh, Christopher Miller and Phil Lord had been brought on to do that project initially? Yes. So when they were taken off, yep. Ron Howard came on and reshot 80% of that movie. What? Yeah. So it's very likely that the parts that you might've thought were a bit, eh, whatever, yeah, might've been because of those differences in... Like whatever the, the oh, Phil okay. Lord and yeah, Lord yeah, Lord yeah. shot and that would make sense, um, but I know what you mean it felt very different towards the beginning or whatever it was.
0: So the actors basically got paid twice, which is nice.
1: I'd be surprised we could. Sorry, Karen. Yes, yeah, so the books.
0: Yeah. Um, so what's been interesting is the like, the remolding of the Star Wars universe mm. uh, and the fact that people are saying, oh, you know, uh, Marvel is a more coherent universe and Star Wars is like you know. Is it this way? Is it that way? Can we reshoot the whole film? And is it is mm. a mess? It's so, Yeah, it's a mess because, you know, people, especially Disney now, mm. have like rebuilt the world. Yeah. Um, and also it's much older mm. and has an older audience mm. um, who are used to, who've read a lot of books and, and got into, gone through a lot of older comics. Um, but they ha- are not. What they're trying to do is develop it, iterate it, involve it without mm. leaving it behind. Yes. So when she first said um, she was taught teres kazi. Mm. uh unfortunately, the second word sounds like the English slang for toilet. <laughs> I learned teruskazi, the art of yep. throwing toilets. Yes. Um, <laughs> so it was like, oh shit, and I thought maybe they're just doing a head nod. I didn't click. I didn't click in quickly enough what that actually meant. Yeah. Um, uh, basically, this is how it links into the rest of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. What you got? There's a game. Right. So, that, yeah, you're talking about the 1997 Masters of Terra Khazi. <laughs> that's an old game. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm actually not talking about the game. Yeah, go on, go on. Yeah? yeah? That's, that's a reference that most people will have got. The yeah. reference that they won't get, which is from the old Sith uh, comics. Yeah. Um, and it'll be the history of, it'll be the like 25,000 year history which is excessively long history <laughs> of Star Wars. This Is a book? Um, no, no. It was from the original uh, comics, mm-hmm. Dark Horse Comics, or what they're called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there, there were these two schisms that happened, the Great Schism and the Second Great Schism. The, the, sorry, the Great Schism and the Second Schism, I think mm-hmm. they're called. The Second Schism is the one that usually everyone talks about because that's the formation of the Sith. But before that, there was um, a planet, uh, a bunch of people in this place called the Kashimir dynasty. Mm. Um, and it was a guy called Zendor who, who was going to the Jedi temples and saying, the Jedi have a lot of political power. We need to be controlled. I don't like all of these rules. Maybe we should find a way of policing the Jedi. Mm. So he made a bunch of people called the Legions of Leto that mm. some of them became dark Jedi, started practicing with arts um, to restrain and control Jedi because he was worried about the universe and the Jedi mm-hmm. taken over. And that's the origins of the martial art of, of their martial art called Teras Kazi. Right. Um, that goes all the way through to one of his followers, which is another dark, dark Jedi called Arden Lin, mm-hmm. who was put into a trance back then in these deep stories and woken up by, in Palpatine's time and took on some of his inquisitors. Um, and that's another whole bunch of stories. And they basically, these are all like expanded universe stories yeah, yeah, yeah. that they've made real by just mentioning Terras Kazi. Yeah. Sick. It's like all this stuff that suddenly comes into the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as if you were not sure how this links into how they're evolving that universe, they brought in pretty much references to the end of Clone Wars mm-hmm. and the middle of Rebels. Mm. Um, in linking Kira to our, our friend, mm. our friend in red, um, which, Mold. which, in case someone is listening to this, I wasn't mentioning, but oh, okay, yeah. Um, so yes, the, these things are quite quite core to the mm. Star Wars universe, um, which was very exciting. Yeah, yeah. But when, is that interesting for someone that's not into not not as familiar with the, with the world?
1: Definitely, I think when it got to the end of that.
0: When it got to the end of So sorry, so let me finish quickly one thing I did actually explain yep. so the theory then would be that Arden Lynn yep. in her 25,000 year trance mm. forced trance brought Terraskazi to the time of Palpatine mm. and then it was passed down uh through sit uh through people that uh Palpatine trained mm. um as uh Sith assassins and that's how it would have got to Kira.
1: so um just sorry, so I, just so I understand this yeah when did the rule of two become a thing? Has it always been a thing?
0: 3,000 years before, but Palpatine didn't follow that.
1: Right. So does that mean Darth Maul isn't following that either? It,
0: uh, uh, if you watch, I'm going to not say anything because okay. the answer to that is in Clone Wars okay, fine, at the fine. end. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But Palpatine does really weird stuff. So in, in the Vader comics, mm. Palpatine takes a bunch of people who are technologically and biologically advanced, but not force enhanced. Mm. And he gives them enough technological power that they can fight like Sith. And then to test them, he, pit, put, pitches, <laughs> he puts them against Vader. Shit. And uh, yeah, and he also tests them by, yeah, so anyway, there was a reference to Bosk in there in the movie, which is quite interesting. That's sick bust them mega bounty hunter
1: but that yeah it says it says that I'm
0: reading the trivia
1: on IMDb all right okay um yeah and I think that's why I enjoyed about it is because they've again much like Deadpool 2 it's actually funny as they, they're both kind of stepped into the same realm here is that both of these films yeah have now opened up expanded universes yeah. that we didn't think they were going to touch um obviously it was it, it was must have it inevitable at some point that they would have done something but the fact that, like you have said, they've obviously mentioned—I I didn't pick up on like, all these like at all. The only thing I picked up on was Sabak, Sabak, yeah, um, the game, um, and yeah, a couple of other things. But the, the fact that they've done this and have, have mentioned this now is obviously inevitable that they're going to carry on, kind of uh, exploring these this universe. And I think that's what makes them interesting is that it opens up a world of possibilities. And it's funny it's because Deadpool said he almost. Pokes fun at it um, around. What did he say? I'm paraphrasing here, but he talks about um, we need someone just young enough that they can carry the the franchise on for like another twelve years. (laughs) And that's exactly exactly what this is: is that we're we're opening this universe up, and we're going to introduce characters that we didn't that we hadn't seen before. But they're going to be good enough, and Deadpool and Solo are going to pass the torches on that we can kind of be a part of this universe and we see things that we haven't seen before. And that's what I think is interesting about these films is that these origin stories, mainly for Solo more than anything else, is that um, we're so familiar with this characters, the characters that we know and love that we now get to see another side of it. We get to see what happened in between and before that time and before they came to be and all this other stuff. And that's what I find interesting about this film is that I'm excited to see how Kira and Darth Maul fuck shit up.
0: That is going to be very interesting. Yeah. Who is the guy that did his voice? Sam Witwer. Well, see, I think it was a mix. It was a mix of him and Ray Ray Park. I think they got brought in Ray Park just to get the face right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then Sam Witwer might have done the voice, but.
0: But I think they could have done the face without Ray Park. I Mm. think they would have brought in Ray Park because they might have started shooting more scenes Mm. because the physic Ray Park's physical talent Mm -hmm. is Mental. Second to none. Yeah, yeah, seen it. He is on another level, yeah. um, which is easier to see in this first or second X Men film where he plays Toad. Oh yes, yep, yep. That you can see his athletic ability yeah. more in that film, even more than
1: Darth Maul. Uh, and I think it's rare to have someone who has that all-encompassing ability where they're also a, a stuntman and a performer and a choreographer and a fighter and an actor and all this other stuff. Yeah, And I think that's going to be really interesting to see um, if they do continue to use him.
0: Yeah. But they, they wanted more of a, I mean, his voice is never in the movies. Is that? No, even in the first film, if you watch like, he. I mean, it's I'd, always
1: off. Yeah. you can turn it's off.
0: Um, yeah. It, it was like someone else did the voice. Um, and he just mouthed stuff, because there's an outtake I've seen where he, there's a scene where Darth Maul says in episode one, um, with, we, where Darth Maul says we. to Palpatine, um, at last we shall reveal ourselves oh, to yeah. the Jedi. Yeah. And there's an outtake with Ray Park, and it's, his, and it's a, not it not, it's not as um, sort of Shakespearean or dramatic yeah. um, or, or romantic in nature. It's more like, at last we'll reveal ourselves to the Jedi. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of when you hear it it's like, oh that's not good that's not a good yes, it's not very frightening. I, I want that uh, Shakespearean passion. I'm trying to I'm trying to find it on Who the Voice. The original yeah. voice. Yeah. Well Do Sam you? where was um Starkiller? Yep. What's his name? Starkiller. Oh no, his first name. Oh yeah. There's a fan there's a family name.
1: Yeah, are you talking about? He's just poked him as well. Now this is
0: very interesting because his family crest was the one that was the seal of the rebels. I don't know if they're going to stick with that sub story, sub story, sub story, subs. I don't know what the hell you call it. Backstory. story. Oh well, yeah. So Peter Peter uh, Ray, uh, Peter Serafinowicz. Ah, uh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Did the voice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably the most darkly dramatic he's ever been. <laughs> the Tick. Starkiller, start Star uh, Galen Merrick. Galen Merrick. That's it. It's the Merrick family crest. So we'll see where that goes. Because he was, you know, he was in, he was credited there.
1: His homeworld is Kashyyyk.
0: Galen Merrick. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the game begins, isn't it?
1: <laughs> Kento Merrick as well. Yeah. yeah. Are we done?
0: Oh, we are done. Yeah.
1: What What? you? We... No, that's our default show.
0: We're just passionate and excited. Yes. We- we did well.
1: Yes. All right. If you like that, hit subscribe and to your collection. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Acast, not Spotify. Um, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave us a review on iTunes, even if you're not using iTunes. Just leave us a review because it would help us greatly and it would allow us to increase um, data. Sure. Increase data and improve the credibility, not credibility, improve the quality of our podcast because then we know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong also listen to it on iTunes if you can <laughs> or Apple Podcasts
0: <laughs> very good
1: Um alright I've been current.
0: I've been Kushal I'll see you next episode yes. bye I will see. that's yeah, good it does work better with both of them